The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to Man in Line on Manx Radio. Open line today. If you want to pick up on anything that was said yesterday by uh, the two members of Wardell Armstrong, the consultants consulting to Manx Utilities, Ian Ramsbottom and Paul Evans were in. And also um, we had Lizzie Riley, the transition manager for Manx Utilities, talking about the Erie Stain and Scarred site for the potential onshore wind farm on the Isle of Man. Didn't sound as straightforward yesterday, did it? I mean, uh, lots and lots of plans, and also, um, where's that second interconnector going? And it takes ages to get an interconnector together, so that's surely... Uh, but anyway, any thoughts on that? Uh, lots of uh, messages came in after the show today. I'll get to some of the messages um, just regarding what was said yesterday. And if you want to raise anything, by all means, uh, call 66 13 68. Text, email, call and WhatsApp. And David's first on today. Hi, David. Hi, Andy. Just uh, talking about yesterday regarding the site at uh, Park Road School and the pub that's now closed and the minister saying it's hers. Now, every site on the Isle of Man, there's a lot of them, quickly going through them, the Quarter Ridge pub, shut, closed, some lines, some land site, nothing there. Um, the other one is the prison. And don't forget, on the prison site too, there's East Cliff, which is alongside that where there's old development on the other side of the road by private contractors, which is empty and derelict and stuff like that. And I just wonder, who's in charge of um, the land? It's the the people that own the land, and the, the ministers and members are just custodians while they pass through time, don't they? And I'm just wondering, what... Are they going to do? Is anybody going to do anything to these particular sites? Well, the Park Road one's interesting because I'm trying to remember the pub closed a couple of years ago, didn't it? The Bowling Green. Yep, there was a big party. I wasn't there because I don't drink. But uh, it's all all now is uh, an auction site for... Uh, it is. Well, uh, Murray has cars there. When they have vehicle sales, they're, they're, they're for uh, Murray's auctions. Yeah, and I'm not saying they've got plan permission. But anyway, we'll leave that at, at a bay. But at least they must be getting some revenue. And where's that revenue going to? Uh, the whole know. point about that Park Road site, though, is that, I mean, that would, everybody, it's common consent, that would make fantastic site for apartments or houses. It's a very, very big site. You could factor some car parking in there. Um, but uh, nobody seems to know really what to, and they don't even say that, you know, we're considering X or Y and possibly Z. At the moment, it just it just sits there. There's, there's um, plans on a shelf that must be in Treasury. There was um, plans for what to do with Park Road site. It was to do with housing, first-time buyers. The prison site and Eastcliff site was to shelter the accommodation and providing uh, units for people who have got disabilities. So there were wider doors, level access, showers, so people can live in the community when, when we get a little bit older. And, uh, of course, the only thing they've done is um, uh, up at uh, Glenside, which is uh, Summer Hill Views, it's called now. 
But there again, we're going to spend uh, millions on uh, doing a, a, a report to uh, who's going to run it. Why didn't we grow the people? They knew these things were going to happen. And the other thing that's added on, don't forget now, when they moved to some ill views, what are we going to do with Retina Bay? It's all owned by government. And what is this housing board doing? Why won't they come on and tell us what the priorities are? Nothing yet. And and you just wonder whether Park Road School uh, is part of that at the moment because they keep adding things to the portfolio. Uh, But as you say, everybody had a common sense idea of what to do with these things years and years ago. It now seems that everything has to go out to consultation, hire some consultants in, pay them six figures and then come up with, you know, the, the obvious solution that we all knew 10, 20 years ago. And that's the issue. I mean, who is leading the pack? Well, it's obviously the chief minister. Shouldn't the chief minister be giving out directions to the ministers saying to their members, get this done? Mm, Okay. All right. Thanks, uh, David. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's also oh got a note in from it was uh, let me see Scott who just says um, Andy I would have had an idea for the Park Road School why didn't we just get 30 tonnes of topsoil put it down and rent it out as urban allotments for 20 years at least we'd have had 20 years of homegrown vegetables if they'd done that would have made a lot more sense surely that Park Road School site empty, just completely empty. It was a fine school, fine looking school at one time. Uh, but it's been empty for a long time and uh, at the moment, um, uh, Julie Edge said uh, at the moment we don't quite know what to do with it. Her chief officer, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, Graham Kinraid, I think he was the chief officer at Education, Sport and Culture. But as yet at the moment um, the Education Minister bluntly was told to get moving. Uh, she, she's being pressed to take a decision over Park Road School in Douglas. Oh, so it was 11 years ago uh, that it was closed and then demolished. Uh, you heard David Ashford and Joni Farragher say, it's high time that the builders moved in. Education for young children is the, pri- the priority, says the, uh, says the minister. We've got brownfield sites everywhere around Douglas. We're getting used to them. There's the case of the Lord Street car park. Is it a car park or isn't it a car park? I don't think anybody pays, so everybody crams into the spaces there. So nobody's making any money out of it. At the moment, it's an unofficial car park. So what on earth is going to do with it? I wonder what those travel writers who came over made of the brownfield sites on the Isle of Man. Interesting. Uh, Eddie's on now. Hi, Eddie. Hi. You all right? Good, thanks, yeah. Yeah, good show yesterday. Um, did I say God knows how long ago? You, you need two hours, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I, from what I gather, you had nearly 5,000 comments about yesterday's show. I spent all morning reading a lot of them. There wasn't many for the, uh, the wind farms. Uh, my comments are the, the yesterday's show was absolutely just the same as it was at poor old school just change a few numbers a few things an absolute disgrace absolutely nothing at all new um they they're, they're going to they keep trying to give us loads and loads of nonsense there isn't nothing green about a wind farm uh, a turbine there isn't nothing that's going to change anything like the money 
we're not going to get cheaper electricity. It hasn't happened anywhere in the world. We are going to fight it, like I keep telling them. We are going to fight it. And then when it comes to, when I asked her yesterday, have you, have you allowed any money for just in case the scenario comes along? Oh, no, we, we, we won't make any mistakes. They're already making a mistake. The, the public in the Isle of Man, did she, did she give us a figure of 80% want it? I think I think she needs to be called in and let's uh, let's have a fact let, let's just have a show of hands maybe a, a referendum on it because I everybody I talk to I think I've only ever come across one person who is for them wants to tell them where the blades come from so and so so and so so and so they do not want them I got a call this morning saying that she was listening uh, well actually you you do a video don't you of your show. And, and one lady phoned me up to say that uh, it looks at one stage as old Liz tries to shut up one of your guests by putting a hand up and saying, oh, no, don't say that. When he, when he starts talking about it's a UNESCO site. Everything we know already, this, this smells of just like the swimming pool. We, that, we don't have to be experts on, on anything. If we know, like, say, for instance, I knew the swimming pool the cafe made a profit. So what did they do? They closed it. We didn't need a, um, a, a consultation about what it, what it needs. We told them what was it. The consultation came back, uh, and we'll assume it cost us £50,000 to tell us what we already knew. We already know that wind turbines do not work. They are closing them down all over the world. They kill thousands and thousands of millions of birds. I quoted an £8 million fine for one company yesterday. So why do you think that Orsted are proposing this offshore wind farm? Andy, they are selling you something, aren't they? They're not going to say it's bad. There isn't. If you look at every advert on television... It's a load of nonsense. You know, you're not going to buy any of these things that are on television. The companies that put these, say like Coca-Cola, right? Everybody drinks Coca-Cola anyway, but they know that if they spend £30 million on on adverts, they can claim that back (laughs) against the tax. So it's only the same with this company. They're trying to sell you something. It's an absolute load of rubbish. So what do you, I mean, bearing in mind that Manx Utilities are under orders from the government, and you know, Wardell Armstrong, the consultants, have been hired by Manx Utilities who are under orders from the government to do this. So they haven't just dreamt this up. They've been told by the Council of Ministers to do this by the government, the government that we, we voted in. Yeah, but this government that we voted in somewhere along the line have stopped looking at every other alternative and have gone for one, which everybody out here says, the comments they make to me are, that smells, it smells as though the handshakes have already been done, the brown envelopes have been dished out. Now, before you say anything like that, Eddie, you simply can't say things like that without tangible proof. Uh, Otherwise, if you don't have tangible proof of anything like that, Eddie, you just can't say things like that. That's irresponsible. 
I'm yeah, not saying don't that. Use, don't I... use phrases like brown envelopes and handshakes and anything like that, because that, that simply, unless you've got visible proof, you can't say things like that. It doesn't work. It detracts from what you're saying, Eddie. Yeah, but I'm not actually saying it. I'm telling you what people out here are saying, not what I'm saying. I wouldn't think for one minute that our trustworthy government would do anything like that. I believe everything they say. But I do believe that they are misled somewhere along the line because I, I haven't found... I, I've told you, I've been working on this now for 18 months. When I take something serious, I take it serious. I've been looking at all the details right throughout the world, um, where the blades come from, what what they're made of, um, the, the fact that the minute you don't get any wind, you're going to have to revert back to gas anyway. You need an alternative. Why don't we look at every other alternative? Because this one does not work. It's closing down everywhere. Countries throughout the world are opening mines. They're drilling for oil again. Where are we? What? No, no, no. Point eight of one percent. And we're trying to stay green. We're not green at all. Okay. All right. Right. We've got to get on because lots of people are waiting to get on. Eddie, thanks for calling. Pleasure. All right. Good to hear from you. Let's get to John's with us now. Hi, John. Afternoon, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, with uh, this thing going on about all the wind turbines and that, I wanted to pose the question, but unfortunately I couldn't get on. It was just, I don't know, too busy. Presumably we're doing all of this to reduce our carbon footprint. It's not just about uh, decarbonizing the energy. So my question is, which I would love to have asked, maybe the, the listeners would have an idea, is how much carbon is produced when producing these wind turbines? Does anyone have an answer? I'm sure there'll be a carbon fr- footprint somewhere for this. Well, the Aberdeen University has produced a calculator. And you can put in a huge amount of parameters. Now, I've tried to put in the parameters for our proposed wind turbine, but unfortunately, MUA do not have the details to do that. And one example being is the size and the footprint of the foundations. They don't know that yet. However, this calculator, by law in Scotland, has to be used prior to planning permission. So are they going to use it yet? I know you don't know the answer, but perhaps MUA would like to come on air again and say whether they would or they won't use it. Well, it will be interesting. And the the fact that, uh, I mean, there was, I think, a a broad carbon footprint issued uh, for the whole of the Isle of Man, I think, a couple of years ago. But we don't, I mean, we don't really know what Paul Rose, uh, what the carbon footprint for Paul Rose Power Station is at the moment. And as you say, if we are going to do this, then I, th- I think surely we need some statistics out there so everybody actually knows, you know, the whys and the wherefores. Exactly. And from what I got yesterday, they were predominantly selling or trying to sell, just like Eddie said, oh, well, it's going to be cheaper electricity, so we'll go for it. It's not going to be cheaper electricity if you take into the account of the carbon footprint, because if you've got to, over so many years... You know, it'll pay itself off, and then the amount of money spent, it's going to pay itself off. How's it going to pay itself off when it's not saving the carbon that it's proclaiming to save? It doesn't add up. Does that make sense? To it does, and, and this is where the, the, there's a sort of Venn diagram of politics 
of green initiatives, you know, the ecology and what have you. Uh, and in the middle is us, the customers, the voters, the constituents. We're in the middle. So we don't really know all the figures. Um, and whether or not we'll know all the figures in the future is open to interpretation. But the fact is, John, the government said this is going to happen. And they were saying yesterday by 2026. Now, whether it happens by 2026 is another matter. But then I'll pose this question to you, Andy. What is the purpose of government? Is it to tell us what to do? Or is it to administer the realm in accordance with the wishes of the people? Oh, I mean, government, it's simple. The government's purpose is to serve the people. Well, if the people don't want it, then what should the government be doing? Listening to the people. And if the people say no, then it's a no. Not we are the government, we're going to tell you. I mean, this comes back to the bishop thing. I mean, I could go on for hours and hours, but I'm sure Bonzo or Julian or somebody else wants to get on. But it's all tied in with it. If that all makes sense. Nobody, nobody's asking us, the people. Nobody's saying, hey, do you want these wind turbines? Hey, do you want to do all of this carbon neutral stuff? You had um, David Quirk phone up yesterday and say, hey, I'm all for it, go for it. But what about the cost, the cost in carbon? People say, well, what about my future or my children's future? Yeah, but what about it if the carbon you've created in producing these things is worse than not producing it? Nobody's ever come up with an answer like that. All right. John, thanks for calling. You're welcome. Take care. All right. Thank you. And Andrew's with us now. Hi, Andrew. Good good afternoon. Um, I'm getting a little bit exasperated here. I, I don't um, um, I don't listen to this program generally for this very reason, but I've just overheard it. There's an awful lot of experts on the Isle of Man. Bearing in mind that the an X is something that has been as spurt as a drip under pressure. If you can't have your own way or you want to object to any government project, it's got to be brown envelopes. Just get a grip and stop accusing everyone of corruption because you don't like their opinion. They don't put everything out to referendums every 10 minutes because you elected the government to make decisions on your part. You do not need to be an expert on the new steam packet boat because they think it's a canoe. You don't need to be an expert on wind turbines. I'm not an expert. I've traveled all over the world and seen massive, massive wind wind farms, which the blades turn nice and slowly. You, I even went to them and touched them to feel the vibration or to tell whether they make any noise because you have an idea and you can get it. So all these birds that are dying on mass suicides, just admit you don't want anything, any innovation and stop trying to dress it up in brown envelopes and we know better in the carbon footprint. If you looked at the carbon footprint of everything you're doing to be environmentally friendly, it contradicts itself. Your recycling gets shipped off to Africa to be left lying in fields and on a boat pumping out diesel. Your electric car is powered from a Chinese coal-powered fire station. Just don't go there. And with respect to the government spending money on it, and they shouldn't be spending... They've got a lot of money and they're going to spend it on what they want. And you can whine and bleat and complain and Google things. I did my own research. It's what's going to happen. They wanted to put a wind farm on Kronkavody in the 1980s. This is true. 
And they didn't do it because the local people, there's only nine of them in the area in the day, were going to have a possibility of their border television being interrupted. Seriously. Oh, it was Grampian then, I think it was called. We, we can't continue to have people coming on, and they may be regular contributors, because I haven't been on here since the days of Susie and Marge Jockin and so on, telling me, oh, it, the Manx people don't want it. You don't speak for me. Stop saying the Manx people, and I've had phone calls all agreeing with me, where they're not going to ring you to argue with you. They're only going to say what you want to hear. You don't speak for me, and I would rather have a consultant who knows about these things and has a global record of the millions of wind turbines. I would rather have their opinion than somebody who is sat because they saw it on Google Stop saying you speak for me and the people of the Isle of Man because you do not speak for me and I will rely on the people who know what they're talking about. Then I will give an opinion. But I will not assume that every time the government or a company gives an opinion and it's agreed with that there's brown envelopes. Even ask yourself, who would get the envelope and for what? What gain is there for Dolby or whoever they are this time? What gain do they get out of building wind turbines? Are you suggesting they get... It's just silly. If you can't win an argument, resort to brown envelopes. You don't have an argument. They know what they're talking about, and you don't talk for me. That was basically what I wanted to say. I appreciate that, Andrew. Thanks for calling. And don't leave it so long next time. <laughs> Thank you. All right. It's uh, 28 minutes past 12, uh, Manx Radio today. But yesterday it was Wardell Armstrong, uh, the consultant, Ian Ramsbottom, and uh, Paul Evans were on, along with Lizzie Riley from uh, the Manx Utilities, talking about, if you want some context, by the way, by 2023, the UK across the water had 11,000 wind turbines with a total installed capacity of 30 gigawatts. 15 gigawatts onshore, 15 gigawatts offshore, the sixth largest capacity of any country. Wind power, the largest source of renewable energy in the UK. It, only about 5%, I think, last year. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the British grid electricity in 2023, I think, throughout the year. Natural gas was 32%. Nuclear, 15-odd percent. Wind was 29.5%. So not as big as natural gas. So have you got any thoughts on this? Um, we weren't going to talk about uh, the wind farms, but if you want to crack on with the wind farms, by all means do. There is this case of brownfield sites on the Isle of Man. And who, who, who has taken a lump out of um, the Jubilee Oak? Somebody's hit the Jubilee Oak. There's a big bit missing. Who did that? <laughs> Hello there, this is Dr Alex Allenson, Treasury Minister, and I'd really like to wish Manx Radio a very happy 60th birthday. Well done. Ah, with EPS Coatings. Your house could be looking as good as the day it was painted for 10 years, guaranteed. Whatever the Manx weather brings. 
the revolutionary Protex system from EPS Coatings. Ultimate protection for your home, guaranteed for 10 years. Book now for next spring and get 10% off. Search EPS Coatings Isle of Man and keep your house beautiful for longer with EPS. How do you really get to feel healthier? Eat healthier. ShopRite's healthy choice ranges make it easy and truly enjoyable. All over our chillers and freezers, food that even sounds better for you. Like the Gym Kitchen protein-packed frozen meals, Plant Chef plant-based chilled and frozen food, and free-from ranges across the store from pasta to cereal. Better for you doesn't have to mean boring anymore. Try our range of healthier alternatives. Available now at ShopRite. Conventional wisdom says that it's all downhill from here is a bad thing. Well, we politely disagree. We've moved our friendly branch team down the hill to the Santander Work Cafe at Market Hall on North Quay. So in addition to the great new location, you can use all the facilities of the Work Cafe and enjoy eats, treats and coffee from our awesome cafe partners, Noah. We've also extended our opening hours to 8am to 5pm every weekday. Now that's what we call a great move. Santander International is the trading name of Santander Financial Services PLC, Isle of Man Branch, and is regulated by the Isle of Man Financial Services Authority. See santanderinternational.co.uk Journey to a Dream, the podcast that takes you behind the handlebars of motorcycle racing's ultimate challenge, Roads on the Isle of Man. I didn't realise normal people could race motorbikes. I thought it was something on TV or for superheroes. From the thrill of the speed to the allure of the island's mystique, join me, Beth Espy, as we unravel the passion that drives these riders to push the limits. Childhood dream, you know, is something I've always wanted from since being a kid. Journey to a Dream, available now at manxradio.com or your usual podcast provider the man in line with andy wint john's on now hi john good morning uh, i'd like to call, uh, talk about manx care or manx don't care to be honest to, okay. you, to be honest with you. um i went to podiatry yesterday i've got type 2 diabetes they i go every roughly about 12 weeks to have my toenails done and i was informed yesterday that from the Yesterday, the last time, I won't be getting my toenails cut anymore. That uh, Manx Care have decided that um, it's only for the dietary is only now for wounds or broken skin, not looking after people's toenails. And how can't. long have you been going? Oh, five, six years. Okay. Obviously people have been going longer than that. And what can you say about the service? How, how, did you you find really? it useful? Obviously. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, <laughs> in the past, I've asked my daughter to, if she'd cut my toenails, but she won't touch people's feet. You know, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, obviously, this is what the lady told me yesterday, that the new head person of Manx Care said, they don't cut the toenails in England, so we don't, we're not going to cut them on the Isle of Man. Oh, just because they don't do it there? Obviously, looking like it, looking like that. Also, I came when I, I live in Waverley Court. I came to see the sheltered housing officer to see if anybody came into Waverley Court to do people's feet, and she couldn't tell me that. But she informed me that, again, with Manx Care, if you live on your own and you have the people coming in to assist you to go shopping, they're stopping that as well. So if you've got nobody that can go and, go and do the shopping for you, what are you going to do, starve? Since when? When did that happen? Obviously, it must be it must be just now. It must be roughly around about this time, you know, from now sort of thing. This is what the sheltered officer told me today. 
that they've stopped out, stop the stop stopping doing the shopping assistance for elderly people that live on their own. Uh, what do you think about all this, John? It's rubbish, to be honest with you. I mean, I've I've been working since I was 15, up to being 70 when I retired. I've been national insurance all that time, and now services that I need are getting stopped. And did the the woman at podiatry, did did they say it might come back in the future, or is that that? that? not, Not at the moment, she just said, from, she said, "We'll cut them. We'll cut them today, and then that's it. You've got to find somebody private to do them for you." No. I'll, be, I'll be called every twelve months to have the my pulses checked in my feet and the the touch test that they do on your feet. Every twelve so months for, for the for the touch test for the to check your pulse in your feet, not right. to put your toes. And they, they do a they do a little test they've got like a it's like a felt like a it's not a pin which they touch the ball of your feet and different parts of your feet she said you are low risk so you can cut your own toenails you're not going to you're not you, you've got feeling that you'll know whether you're cutting the end of your toes off good grief that's, <laughs> n- that's nice to know isn't it? it it is you know i mean fair enough i mean if the decision's been made i up why you know and you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And how much? How much is being saved? I mean, that can't be a well, fortune for heaven's sake. I don't know, but like I say, if all the, all the people that go to podiatry to have the toenails trimmed have now got to look for private chiropodists, you're not going to get one. <laughs> it's going to be like you're trying to get a dentist, trying to get a chiropodist. All right, John. Thanks for telling us that. We'll <laughs> we'll dig a bit uh, a bit deeper into that. Thanks for calling today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to hear from you. We didn't know about that, uh, but now we do. Uh, A quick note, and I'm sure David's going to be happy about this. Engineers will be able to keep up to date with industry-acquired gas, off-tech and unvented hot water training and accreditation on the Isle of Man in the spring. It comes after DESC-appointed Energy Development Services, EDS Limited, to deliver a range of courses on a two-year contract. Now, this means uh, that they specialise in the training and assessment of areas of various fuel sectors, including domestic and commercial gas, off-tech oil, electrics and water. Courses are going to be delivered at UCIOM with a recently updated on-site facility. So if you're looking to find out more about this, you can call EDS on 01793 That's 01793 um, there'll be a full list of training courses and dates once initial interest levels have been determined. That's uh, on-island accreditation and training for gas off-tech and unvented hot warning. Uh, hot water training and accreditation. That's uh, something that hasn't been there for a while. Oh, Julian's on now. Hi, Julian. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yes. Uh, yeah, I heard Andrew earlier, and I, I understand what he's saying, and so that's why I always like to stick to fact. I'm not sure about innovation when the technology is actually from 1925, and in the old days, one of the reasons it wasn't widely adopted is because you never know when the wind's blowing or whether they get blown to smithereens like the one at Little London did. Um, but just a little bit of housekeeping from yesterday, keeping it factual, um, things are a bit clearer now. Paul Evans stated that the blade length will be 65 metres 
I think uh, you'll remember him saying that. Um, bearing in mind that Alan that rang in on Monday said that his very large turbines down in Cornwall were 40 metres. So the blade is 65 metres. His entire turbine is 40. So if you look at the overall height of that, including ground clearance for the blades to not bonk anyone on the head, you're looking at 150 metres tall, 500 feet or a 38-storey skyscraper, or about the height of Corinth's Folly above sea level, times five. And they're talking of four of them. Is it going to be four turbines? Five. Five, Five. right. Yeah. Um, It was also asserted yesterday that the Viking wind farm on Shetland was commissioned in 2003 and is old technology. However, the reality is that due to legal battles with local residents... The local council and the RSPB, due to worries about disruption and death from wimberals nesting there, the Viking wind farm has only just been built 20 years later and still hasn't come online yet in 2024. So that means that the touted 46% capacity factor on their website that I mentioned yesterday is actually a computer model guess, not rooted in reality because the blades haven't even started turning yet. Um, I also noticed yesterday that it was stated that the use of the industry standard measure of annual energy from a turbine called capacity factor somehow doesn't apply to the proposed Erie Stain wind farm. Uh, Instead, I think Paul mentioned that the wind measurement, which as far as I remember only started uh, a few months ago, together with power curve graphs from the turbine manufacturers are sufficient to predict But the prediction that they're saying is four times the UK average for wind generation, according to the Wind Consortium. So, again, this sounds a bit like computer modelling. There was also mention of curtailment in the UK due to network bottleneck issues. However, um, I've just been looking at Professor Ian Staffel from Imperial College. And he's done extensive research in this area and concludes that all the UK curtailment, which includes stopping for storms, bird migration, that was mentioned yesterday, bat movements and network issues account for only 6% across the UK. So there's only 6% for curtailment. But what Professor Staffel says is a bigger problem is that wind turbines lose around 10% of their generation capability over 20 years due to wear and tear. So to keep up with the net zero goals, he's saying that four new wind farms are going to have to be built every year just to keep up with the wear and tear, which seems rather wasteful, expensive and ridiculous if we've got to build four new ones every year just to keep up with the wear on the blades and the gearboxes. Bearing in mind that they're going to planning, they want to go to planning next year and they want to have it built and up and spinning by 2026. Is this going to happen, do you think, Julian? There's a lot of questions. Uh, you know, um, there's an intro- if anybody looks up Alt Wallace Wind Farm uh, in Wales, uh, that wind farm was put up in 2009, and they have had hellish problems with infrasound going through people's homes. Over 60 people in the area have been complaining three miles away. Now, if you remember yesterday, they were mentioning that the rule of thumb is about 500 metres setback, which would be something, you know, some of the houses 
uh, around Ronag there are less than 500 metres. But three miles is 5,000 metres. And some of these people have been just getting rid of their homes because they can't sleep at night. And there was a guy that's mentioned um, who was, he got, when the wind turbines were first turned on, he was looking around because he could, he could feel this, this sort of vibration in his ears and he couldn't sleep. So I think three o'clock in the morning, he was checking all the, everything in the plugs to see if there was something overheating. He was then checking to see if the boiler was turned off. He went outside to check. He's, he's, um, he's got a little pump thing for, on, on his farm. Um, and in the end, it turned out that the wind turbines were actually doing that resonant low frequency into his house. So in the end, they just had to sell at a loss to get out of there because, okay. of course, it became common knowledge that that was happening. All right. Thanks for calling today, Julian. We appreciate that. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. OK. Uh, later on today, every Wednesday, by the way, in our 60th anniversary year. Did you know we're 60 years old? I don't know whether we mentioned it. We're 60 years old. And every Wednesday on Man Alive, we're retroing back to um, Peter Kelly and Kelly's Eye with David Callister. Today, the name Lewis Buckle Reeves. Mean anything to you? Lewis Buckle Reeves. Served on HMS Victory at Trafalgar, buried in Onken. The Ginger Hall has it all. Check out the new restaurant, now open at the Ginger Hall Hotel, where you'll find a fantastic range of food, from classic winter warmer bistro-style dishes to delicious Sunday specials and great celebration meals. Don't delay. Book now on 897-231. Or visit our Facebook page for all our opening times, pictures and full menus. You'll even find details on our live music and more. The Ginger Hall really does have it all. Whatever your business, whatever its size, you can always rely on the island's leading fuel and oil supplier to keep you moving. Ellen Vanin Fuels, powering the island and powering industry. Call us on 844-000. Have you been invited to take part in the Household Income and Expenditure Survey? It's one of the most important surveys for our island because the information you provide is vital data for our island's financial planning. It helps us calculate our VAT revenue from the UK. Plus, it gives us a better understanding of the financial strains on residents so we can support those who are struggling. If you've been invited, please take part. Visit gov.im forward slash H-I-E-S for more information. Just care products for mobility just Care Products are the island's exclusive stockists of DB Wide Fit Shoes. Recommended by professionals with a measuring service available, DB Shoes come in a huge range of styles, colours and sizes. Come and try in store. We're just behind B&Q. And if you don't find what you want, we'll order in. For more information, call 627-177. Just Care Products, proud stockists of DB Shoes and Cozy Feet Footwear. Some people say that Mark Tiley in the morning is one of the reasons people come on holiday to the Isle of Man. Funny you're going to the Isle of Man for your holiday. What's funny about that? I hear it's very attractive. Which? The Isle? Or the man. Now, we don't believe that's true for a moment, but we do definitely attract inquiring minds onto the programme. I'm not an unsophisticated woman. I've been to Jersey and the Isle of Man. Join me, Mark Tiley, for the adventure of your life. 9.30 to 12, Monday to Friday, Manx Radio. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. 14 minutes before one this, uh, what is it today? Oh, it's a Wednesday lunchtime on the Isle of Man, and Howard's on. Hi, Howard. Hello, Andy. 
Um, one thing I haven't heard in all this talk about the wind turbines and their reduction in fossil fuels, etc., if the government, uh, as they stand at the moment, are the main importers of natural gas, which then is sold to Island Energy, ACA, Manx Gas, for distribution throughout the island, if they are proposing to do away with the power station, that will reduce the quantity rate that can be purchased at any one time from, I think it comes from Southern Ireland, uh, through a, a main uh, a main line there coming to the island. So that's going to give the purchasing power of the Isle Man government less clout. So the companies supplying the gas will then be able to dictate different prices, which will be handed down or passed down through to Manx Energy, which in turn will be passed through to the consumer, uh, which I should imagine there are quite a lot on the island. We are on gas, and that's in fact the engineers in there now servicing the boiler. But what is going to happen if uh, in the future that the reduction of gas, the ability to purchase larger quantities uh, in use at the power station in Port Rose for generation of electricity, um, if that's reduced and the, the price then will probably, like all aspects of it, will go up. Nobody's mentioned that before now, Howard, and I'm glad that you did. I just wonder what the repercussions will be. Yeah, well, what they're doing, the government are... Well, they're doing away with the fossil fuels. It's the green agenda, as we say. Here's so much of that. But at the end of the day, it's the public who are using gas for either heating, cooking, or any other means that are going to suffer because of the... Uh, the, the wind farms coming in and then they're going to reduce the, the amount of uh, gas that's consumed down in Paul Rose. Uh, so it's it's going to be a long-term thing. It's not going to happen overnight, but invariably it will happen. And as the government have um, control over the bicura of the gas prices, which has just come down at the beginning of... Um, at the end of January, it come down, not a lot, but it was there. Whereas the, um, the electricity company, the MUA, were wanting to put it up, but they've had second thoughts about it. They're just going to put the water rates up instead. Uh, so it's just something that people need to be keeping an eye on. Um, and the gradual reduction of gas consumption by the power station is it going to affect the price of gas to the public in their heating boilers. Okay, thanks, Howard. But just, just as a, a point of interest, all your listeners, if they want to, if they look up on Google, a cargo ship hit by blades of a wind turbine. And uh, it was in Germany. It was not the farm, the wind farm uh, fault. The ship was off course, out of control, and sailed into it. And it virtually sliced the bow off the ship. And it was one the same size, more or less, as what used to be on the Meseron ships. So you can imagine what damage that would do. All right. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Bye now. All right. Steve dropped me a note in on WhatsApp just to say, uh, can I give some positive feedback? 
uh, to having a, a knowledgeable panel on yesterday with detailed information. Much better to have this type of discussion than daily broadcasts of misinformation. Well, it is an opinion programme. I mean, we do get people on who know what they're talking about and then they're, they're um, kind of open to people to have a chat to. And that is the point of Man in Line. It is an opinion programme. Uh, one person's opinion may be another person's complete rubbish but that's the point of an opinion everybody has one Uh, and also Steve just said Andrew, well done Andrew, spot on as well here's Alan now, hi Alan Hello there again, Andy, and uh, may I also agree about uh, opinions, etc., but uh, also say that uh, some of the opinions are given as if they're facts. Uh, I'd just like to correct something that uh, Julian attributed to me when I phoned in on uh, Monday, uh, saying that I'd said it was a 40-metre wind turbine down in Cornwall that I had experience of. Uh, he's got that wrong. That's the number he came up with. And uh, actually what he's quoted is the size of the turbine blades. And the installations were just over 100 metres tall. So they are big. They're not as big as uh, what's being proposed here, here on the Isle of Man. Uh, but I guess that's because uh, manufacturing uh, standards have progressed and they're able to make them a bit bigger. But uh, just to clarify that and also just to say how much I enjoyed listening to uh, yesterday's programme on the podcast. Okay. Really good. Appreciate that, Alan. Thanks for calling today. And uh, Bonzo's on today. Hi, Bonzo. Hello there, yes. Well, um, gosh, I've been losing my voice again, jumping up and down, cheering for Andrew. Andrew for MHK. Andrew for MHK. Uh, if he is thinking of running in 26, then if he wants to get in touch with me, we'll, 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 see, we'll see, <laughs> see what we can do. Because he was saying in about four minutes what I and others have been saying on here for about two and a half to three years. Uh, and he you know, hit the nail right on the head. Um, I know we're running out of time, so there's, there's lots that I'd like to cover, but but I can't. But just one thing um, about you know, people who are qualified and people who are obliged to do things. Now, under the Electricity Act, uh, as Lizzie Riley explained yesterday, but obviously Julian and uh, Eddie and others you know, went in one ear out the other, um, under the Electricity Act, MUA is obliged to provide electricity generation at the best value. And so when new electricity generation is planned by the MUA, it has to provide the best value plan. The wind turbines are the best value plan by far and away. So that is why they are doing it. There is also the obligation under the Climate Change Act, an act passed by Tynwald, that MUA uh, generate a certain amount of renewable energy by the end of 2026. And that is why those turbines are going up and will be operational before the end of 2026, because that is a legal obligation, and that actually is the will of Tynwald something that, um, again, Eddie uh, et al. seem to completely forget when they're sort of going off in their GBBs and use fantasy land. Um, and also, those people who are commenting on it, I remember he was extraordinarily dismissive of, of Lamara Crane, downright damn rude. When Lamara, Lamara Crane, questioning her qualification to speak on these things, 
when in fact she has a, a bachelor's degree in environmental science, a master's degree in um, environmental science, and has been working in the uh, in the area for years. So I would say far, far more qualified to speak on these things than, than some blowhard. Okay, all right. Thanks for calling today. Okay, then, thanks. Bye. Good to hear from you. Just to reiterate, as it has always been, Man in Line is an opinion program. I love hearing opinions. I love hearing all sorts of different opinions. And that will continue. So we're back with another open line tomorrow between 12 and 1. Thanks to Ben Hartley on the phones today. W-I-N-T serving you as the nation station this is Max Radio Peter, what sky is I looking at today? Today, David, I'm looking with great difficulty Well, if you are looking at the headstone in front of us I can understand that because I can't make out the lettering at all. Well, fortunately, here's one I did earlier. It's part of an altar tomb, and I think we've talked about altar tombs before. They, they build this sort of stone altar, which has actually got brick pillars underneath mm. to hold it up. But it does mean when they come to put somebody else in, they've got to take the whole thing apart. And this one, of course, has got lichen on it here and there and everywhere. It's rather patchy. But down the bottom here, from halfway down, it says, Lewis Buckle Reeves, Royal Marines, died at the 3rd of May 1861, aged 75 years. Now here's the important bit, Mm -hmm. and most relevant to Sea Isle of Man 2005. He was the last surviving officer who fought on board the Navy ship Victory at Trafalgar. Why would he have been laid to rest here in Onken? Because he died. That's one reason. <laughs> well, he lived in Onken. Oh, that's another. <laughs> well, yeah, where else Where else would he come to? He was living just off Victoria Road, in fact, um, down near Broadway, but, but the boundary was, was short of that, so there he was in Onken. W- what happened was he, he actually married a Manx lady, uh, came here. He was wounded at the Battle of Trafalgar. Now, he is described in, in certain books and, and what have you as Nelson's favourite officer on board. But he, he was only 19 or 20, in fact, at the time. He was, he was just a second lieutenant. Yeah. But he, he too was wounded. And on some of these great paintings of the death of Nelson, he's, he's sort of in there. Mm. Um, and I think within an hour of, of Nelson's death, he, he was shot also. Mm. So he was pensioned out. Uh, he had couple of daughters, two sons, both of whom also went into the Marines, both of whom were lieutenants. But six years before he died, in 1855, which was 50 years after the Battle of Trafalgar, the Royal Navy decided to put him on full pension. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But that didn't satisfy the local papers who, who wrote and said, look, this guy's gone on 50 years. He's not got much longer to go. Surely you thought they'd have promoted him in rank and given him an even higher salary. <laughs> so when all the celebrations go and the people in Arbury are jumping up and down and saying, uh, Quilliam, John Quilliam you know, is buried here and all the rest of it, then perhaps in Onkin we should be jumping up and down saying Buckles Reeves uh, is buried here. Island life for 60 years. This is your Manx Radio.